Welcome to Charleston Church Down East Weekly Podcast. For more information about us, visit charlestonchurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, I know it's the second Sunday of the, of the new year, but I want to say to you a big happy new year. I'm good to see you. You made it through Christmas. And uh, some of you are still reeling from the repercussions of Christmas. Too, many, too much turkey, too many family dinners, too many family members, amen. amen. You got to be careful. Most of mine are watching from Canada, so I got to be careful. I'm just teasing. But it's good to see you. I believe I have such an expectation for this year in this church. I have a high expectation for you and your family this year in this church. I I know what God spoke to me, and he said last year was a year of pruning and cutting. But this year, the Lord said to me back in October, he said 2023 will be a year where you can see and pick the fruit off the tree. And I believe that wholeheartedly. Me and Gene believe that wholeheartedly, that if you will, you know, the Bible's full of a lot of people, I've probably said it too, have called it a book of promises, but it's actually a book of covenant. Over and over in Scripture, God said through the Holy Word, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when it was written, if you will, then I will. It's a book of covenant and commitment to God. And this 100-year challenge isn't just something we're doing for fun because we're bored. It is, by the way, the 100th year anniversary of Charleston Church, and that's part of it. Amen. We're thankful for our heritage, amen, that people in a tent in a little town town of Charleston started this church when the people in the town that didn't want them to have a church would come and throw battery acid on the tent at night and burn holes in the tent, and they'd show up the next day, the church people, and just sew the tent up again and go, go at it all over. I'm thankful for the heritage in this church. But that's the dedication it's going to take again in this generation to fulfill and finish what God intended when he started this church 100 years ago. You know, I think it's very interesting. Pastor Gene Kimball was one of the original pastors way, way back in Charleston. And he drove, funny for me because I drive a little bit, if you don't know, every week. He drove from Portland to Charleston for years every week to preach. And that was back on dirt road, no interstate, no great roads. For years he did that because he was committed and consecrated to the vision that God had for Charleston Church. It's not about a brand. It's not about a name. But I don't think it's any secret. By the way, we are not like this... And I probably should do this more often, but I, w- I want to help you understand something about how this is set up with Charleston Church. It's not just, we're not just like a, a side thought or an after idea. We are one great big family in three locations right now. I want you to understand that. And that's why I encourage you sometimes to make your way there on a Sunday night. By the way, every Sunday night there's service or special events. It's not because for any reason you've probably thought in your head that it might be. It's simply for the reason that we are one large family in three locations, but it's good to get together with the whole family and see the bigger vision and the bigger picture. That's why I encourage you to go there. To see, to help you show that you have a family that you may not have met before, but they love you and they're supporting you and they've got your back and they're praying you through and they're 
pushing this thing forward. But also to see the greater vision, the, the total vision is a campus in every county in the state of Maine. We don't want one county in the state of Maine to not have a good Holy Ghost church with great DNA that love the Lord and have one purpose, and that's to please Him. Amen? Amen. So the, this 100-year this challenge is not just because, or 100-year challenge, 100-day challenge is not just because it's our 100-year. That's part of it. But like I said, to fulfill the vision that God has for you and your family and to fulfill the vision that God has for this family as a church, we must do more than we used to do. I, don't, I hope there will be a little more excitement, but I'll keep going. We must do more than we used to do. What does that mean? It means, I'm not saying like actual physical labor, that may be a part of it, but what I'm saying is we must have a commitment and a consecration level that is stronger and deeper and hotter than it's ever. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost and I haven't even opened my Bible yet. I feel that God wants to do something. I know that God wants to do something in this place this morning and in this place this year, but it requires a consecration and a commitment like none other. Like none other. What does that look like? It just looks like it's not a list or a legal, uh, uh, legalistic list of things you must and must not do to fulfill some standard of man. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where are you, where were you, and how do you start where you're at and be better, go further, and do more for the Lord this year than you have in the past. It's different for Dana, and it's different for Tricia, and it's different for me, and it's different for Winston. But what I'm saying is, it's the, the casual Christianity won't get us there. What I'm saying is the, the get by by the skin of your teeth won't get us there. It's got us to a, a spot, but I'm here to tell you, there is more for you in God. There is more for you in God than what you've experienced in the previous years. Amen. Now, maybe you've been told that that's pride and not humility. Well, you've been told a religious lie. By the way, I'll let you know, in 2023, my give-a-darn's busted. <clears throat> Just going to put that out there. I've got one mission. For the Lord God to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Yeah. And if a few toes get a little sore in the process, it's okay. We're going to keep going and keep doing what God wants us to do. Amen? Some of you will get that later. But religion would tell you, the enemy would whisper to you, mediocre is the best it will ever be for you. It would tell you that if it's good, don't ask for it to be better. But the Bible, there's an account in the Bible of the talents. Anybody familiar with that? And, and, and with the talents, the master went away and there was three men and he gave a different amount of talent or resources to each of the three. The Bible says that one... Buried it. 
The second just hung on to it. But the third took it and doubled, multiplied what was given while the master was gone. That is a type and shadow. If you don't know what that is, a type and shadow means there's things in Scripture that are a representation of something later on in Scripture or a representation of what you and I ought to do. This is a type and shadow. The master died, rose again, but then ascended to heaven. He's gone for a while, and he's given us talents as a church and as individuals, resources, abilities, influence, and he's saying in this portion and to you and I today, you see, if you read the rest of that story, that account, he came back and checked on them. He returned one day. And guess what happened? He didn't coddle the ones who did nothing or buried it. But watch what he did. He looked at the one who took what they were given and were fruitful and increased it. And he said, you have been faithful with little. Now you will be ruler over much. And he took what was given to the other two who squandered it and gave it to the one who used it faithfully. So you can't even argue what dead religious people in churches would argue that, that well, we, we like a small church. Well, the Bible says despise not the days of small beginnings, but it also says that when the man who took what he was given and multiplied it, God said, that's what I'm looking for. You who squander, stay small and stay the same. You're going to end up giving up what you've got, what you tried to just fly under the radar with, and it's going to go to someone who's doing what I've asked them to do with it. God wants us to increase. It's not about pride. You see, if the enemy of your soul, the devil, the world, the media, whatever, can convince you that just enough is all you should believe for in your personal life or in the church, if he can convince you to stay small or middle of the road, your influence with what God has given you is nil at best. So I, I don't know about you, but I don't want the master to return and say, yeah, you went to church on Sunday mornings as long as there was nothing else going on. Careful. But I can't find an internal impact that you made in this world while you were here. I don't want God to say that about me. I don't, I don't know about you. And it looks different for everyone. For me, it's doing what I'm doing. But for you, it looks different. But what God is saying, and I will get to my message eventually. Believe it or not, I will get there. But I need to set this year up right now. What God is saying to us this year is, I've given you some talents in the last three years that I've been here. I know it's been longer than that, but I can only talk about what I've been a part of. For some of you, it's been much longer here. Let's go with three years, because that's when we've all been here. I've been here. I've given you some things, and you've taken it and done so much with it.
But I believe he planted this church in the heart of this community to not do the bare minimum and be satisfied, but to be a wrecking ball against the kingdom and the agenda of hell on the coast of Maine. I, I believe that's what you and I are here for. And I'm going to say one more thing before I move on. And I'm not here to beat you down. I'm here to wake you up. Wake us up to the reality of the expectation. Wake us up to, maybe you don't have any, to get some expectation for your life. God wants you to go higher than you're currently at right now. He wants you to be more blessed financially. I know it's not popular, but it's Bible. He wants you to be healthier. He wants you to have more peace. He wants you to have more influence. But I believe the thing God is calling you and I to this year more than ever is to take an inventory of what we've done and who we've been as a believer and say, The excuses of last year just won't do this year. You know, there's an account in the book of Revelation, the seven churches and the letters written to them, the church of Laodicea. And it's known, you probably heard it before, as the lukewarm church. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. Just I want to throw this out here to you, and then I'll move on. But each of those churches received letters for various reasons. But the church of Laodicea was called the lukewarm church. And if you study it out, that town, there was water systems that flowed underground into that town. And there was hot water and there was cold water that flowed in and met together. And then it lingered under the city and it became lukewarm. So there's a natural thing that ties to the spiritual revelation here. But in that letter to the church of Laodicea, he said something to the people. He said, watch this, that this, is, this is interesting, because in our minds we think, well, God would be happy if I was a little bit involved and a little bit committed more than not, right? But that's not what he says in the letter to the church of Laodicea. And I'm going to show you why. He says, I'd rather you would be cold or hot, not lukewarm. In fact, he goes on to say, watch this, this is God's words, through the writing of Scripture. He said, in fact, I so despise a lukewarm church, a lukewarm, that I would, one translation says it this way, vomit you out of my mouth. So why, why wouldn't God want us to be at least a little committed? You know Why? Because God doesn't want people who are saved on Sunday live like hell six days a week and put their name on what, his name on what they're doing. Amen. That's lukewarm. That's a little bit. That's a partially committed. I, I go to church on Sunday, yep. Yeah. But you can't forgive the person at church Monday through Saturday who offended you. Getting right up in your business today. I go to church on Sunday, but. And I love my church, and 
But I criticize everybody in every other church the rest of the week. I go to church on Sunday, but I gossip and backbite or put them on the prayer list. <clears throat> Careful. By the way, prayer chains are meant to be broken. Prayer chains were meant to be broken. Gossip chains were meant to be perpetual carried. Prayer chains were meant to be started, you bind together as a chain in prayer, and then whatever was on, put it on the chain, breaks the chain, and it's over. It's not a gossip chain. God does not want. You see, in Scripture, I believe it was in Timothy, he said, Having a form of, there's people who have a form of godliness, but lack the power and the change that comes with it. I don't know about you, but I'd rather God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Look at the people you impacted than him desire to vomit me out of his mouth because I lived a life of casual devotion to him. So, <clears throat> that's what this 100-day challenge is about. That's what God is speaking to us as a church this year. It's time that we evaluate where we're at and say, God, I'm going to come to church on Sunday or Wednesday more than I ever have before. And if you come regularly, it's saying, I'm not going to just sit there and spectate. I'm going to participate when I go. You can spectate from home. But I want to encourage you, when you get here, participate in what God is doing. Because your breakthrough and your turnaround that you ask God for is released through your praise. Breakthrough praise will give you the turnaround. Here's what won't give you the turnaround. When we show up, stand at best, hands in our pockets, arms folded. I'm not trying to spank you today, but it kind of sounds like it a little bit. <clears throat> I just believe that God was looking for an army, not a crowd. And we talked about this a bit on Wednesday, but when you're in the military, it's not casual. It's not casual. It's not show up when you don't have anything else going on. We're the army of the Lord. It's not submission on Sunday and subordination the rest of the week. Are you hearing me? Say, so why are you being so hard? I'm not trying to be hard on you. I'm trying to show you that there's a blessing and a reward, and another level attached to your consecration and commitment changing. If you never change a thing this year, I'm not going to treat you any differently. I'm going to love you just the same. But I don't know if you know this or not, but we think about you throughout the week. All of you. I'm in the office through the week, and I'm looking at attendance, and I'm looking at Go back and I watch some of the live stream and I look at the scene. I'm like, ah, oh, they weren't there this Sunday. 
and we reach out to you sometimes. Sometimes we just feel to pray for you. Many times I pray because I drive a lot, so I pray when I'm driving, your face will come before me and I'll pray for you. Why? I, I, I love you and I want to see you experience everything God has for you. Everything God has for you. You know, the Bible says that he wants to do and give beyond our greatest expectation, above everything that we could ask or think. Can you imagine that? I can ask and think pretty darn big. I'm just going to let you know. But it says his desire is to do more. His desire is to do more. So there's the setup for this year. It's not a religious list or a legalistic list. It's just saying, God, I'm going to be more faithful in my attendance. I'm going to be more faithful in, this is where it will really change for you, in my prayer time. I'm going to be more faithful in my Bible reading. Don't read it as a 10-minute devotion or a 20-minute devotion so you can check your box that you did your devotion this morning. Don't do that. Get in the Word and let it come alive to you. I've been in this thing since I was old enough to breathe. And every time I open it, it comes alive to me again. Commit to, I'm, I'm changing. Say that with me. I don't get you to say things very often, but say this with me. Say, I'm changing levels. I'm changing levels. One more time like you mean. I'm changing levels. Time to level up. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Romans. And my setting up the year will not, does not mean that I'll go an extra half hour, I promise. Romans chapter 6. So the whole month of January is going to be dedicated to consecration unto the Lord. Now, if you don't know what that word means, I'm going to define it for you in a, in a minute. But the whole month, we're going to preach about consecrating ourselves to God. This week, we're going to about, talk about consecrating our heart, our desires to God. Next week, we're going to talk about consecrating our mouth, then our mind. And then the last, those are what God requires of us. But then the last two Sundays of this month, we're going to talk about what God gives to us when we do what's required. And through consecration, we're going to talk about how he gives us protection, a way of escape. And then we're going to talk about the final Sunday this month of how through consecration, he gives us promotion. Amen? Amen. So it's going to be a great month in the word. I've got the messages laid out in my office, on my bureau at home, and I am so excited for what God is going to do this month of January. Romans 6, we're going to start at verse 12. Romans 6 and starting at verse 12. And we're going to read a few verses. You okay with the Bible in church? Yes. Well, that's good because we're going to read a lot of it anyway, whether you like it or not. We're a Bible-believing church, amen? We don't preach opinion, we preach the Word of God. Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 12. Read with me if you would. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. 
Instead, watch this, give yourself completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Verse 14, sin is no longer your master. Thank God for that. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you became a slave of whatever you chose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or, say or. Or. Let's go with the or. You can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves to sin, but now you, watch this, wholeheartedly obey his teachings that are given to you. Verse 18. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Verse 19 says, because of your weakness and your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all of this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, which led even deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves of righteous living so that you will become holy. Verse 20. I'm almost done. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do what is right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do. I've been there. God's taken the shame off of you today. You are ashamed of the things you used to do that ended in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do the things that lead to holiness and that result in eternal life. For the wages of sin are death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes this morning about consecration. So what is a, a biblical definition of consecration? What does that mean? Now, you probably have never used that word outside of church, and you may have never used it inside of church before. But I want to show you what what that means. It's defined as the devoting or the setting apart of someone or something to the worship and service of Almighty God. Devoting and setting apart to the worship and service of Almighty God. You see, there's two steps when it comes to our salvation and, and our being, becoming a disciple. By the way, we're called to be disciples and make disciples, not make a decision and help others make a decision. We're to disciple them. That's why church is important. Amen? Amen. Through salvation, there's a separation from sin. Can we all agree on that? When we give our life to God, we say, I'm separating myself from the sin that used to so easily trip me up and take control of my life. I'm setting myself apart from my sin. That happens in salvation. 
But the next step that must be taken after the separation from sin through salvation is we must have a heart of consecration unto God. What does that mean? Salvation is the separation from sin. Consecration is the separation unto God. Are you with me? Are we all good? Does everybody understand? Clear as mud? When I gave my heart to the Lord, Dana, sin no longer. I separated myself from my sin. When I consecrate myself to God, see, this is where you see defeated Christians. They never take the second step. This is where you see churches who have 100 new people come through the door every year and have less at the end of the year than they did when they started. Because it's, everyone loves to make an emotional decision for salvation. But it takes someone who's truly in love with God to take the second step of consecration unto God. Remember what consecration is. It's setting yourself apart, separating yourself to God for his service and purpose. So that's what I want you to get today. To understand it's more than a decision on a Sunday morning. That's step one. But I'm asking you this morning, if you have, do more. If you haven't, it's time to do it. It's time to separate yourself unto God. The Bible commands us to come out from the world and be ye separate. What does that mean? Does it mean that everyone who doesn't believe like us, we treat like third-class citizens? Absolutely not. But it means I don't invest my time and let them be a voice of investment in my life who are not going where I'm going and doing what God's asked me to do. Does that make sense? So consecration, setting yourself apart unto God. Let's keep going. So, and I, I believe I'm looking at people who want to do that. By the way, any decision you have made or are making, that is separating you from God and his church and unto something or someone else is the wrong decision. God will never ask you to do something that causes you and your commitment level and your love to lessen or it's not him. So the big question would be, what does God require of you and I when it comes to consecration or setting ourselves apart? It's one thing to say, yeah, he wants us to do it, but it's important to know how, how we get there. Amen? Amen? Let's go over a couple of those things. Number one, we must dedicate our desires to God. Dedicate your desires to God. 2 Timothy 2, 21 and 22 says, if you keep yourself pure... You will be a special utensil. Some of you can name a few people you think are special utensils already, but for a different reason. If they're in your row, don't look. Just look straight ahead. My mom used to tell me I was special, and I think that's what she probably meant was a special utensil. 
Amen. Good to hear you laugh in church and smile. Church shouldn't look like we were all just baptized in pickle juice. It ought to look like that we're happy that God's for us and not against us. If you keep yourself pure. Notice the first word of that, if. Meaning, it's a choice that you must make. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you in every good work. I want to be ready for God to use me in every good work he's got for me. Do you know this is not just for people in ministry? Wherever you find yourself in your job, in your family, in your circle of influence, he says, if you'll keep yourself pure, if you'll keep your desires stayed on me and my ways, you will be fit for honorable use and clean and ready for the master to use for every good work. Run from, this is still scripture, by the way. Some of you, your mom told you these things, and you thought it was just your mom being hard to get along with, but it's all right in here. Run from anything. I'll tell you, this verse I'm about to read would change 80% of even the church world if we just did it. Run from anything that stimulates your youthful lust. Not ju- and that's not talking about relational lust. It's talking about lust for acceptance. Lust to belong. Run from anything that stimulates your youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living. Pursue faithfulness. Pursue love. And pursue peace. By the way, if you're not pursuing peace with your brothers and sisters in Christ, whether they believe exactly like you or not, you're not in pursuit of God. Can I say that a little louder for the peanut gallery or front, back, or in the middle, wherever it may be. If you're not pursuing peace with your brothers and sisters, I don't just mean in your bloodline. I mean at your workplace. I mean in your church family. Your acquaintances. In fact, the Bible says, if you're saying that you love your brother but not pursuing peace with him, you're not pursuing God or loving God. That's free. It wasn't even in my notes. Pursue peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with their heart. When we commit ourselves to loving God and living for him, It's not meant to be a decision of convenience. And we're talking about your desires. How many, let's be honest, raise your hand, and there's no shame in this. It was not convenient to be here this morning because things came up and things happened. Only eight of us are honest out of 100. Amen. And I know not everyone had an inconvenience this morning, but let's be honest. It's not always convenient to be at church. but it's vital. 
It's not always convenient to set aside a time where you pray every day. I'm just being, let's be honest. Let's not pretend. Let's not play country club Christianity today. It's not always easy to set aside a time to pray and get in the Word. For any of us. But this was never meant when we give ourselves and consecrate to God, convenience gets kicked to the curb. You must make up your mind when it's still convenient while you're right here today, when you've already made the decision. Make up your mind for the rest of this calendar year. Convenience has nothing to do with your commitment. Can we commit to that as a church today? Convenience has nothing to do with my commitment to the Lord and to his house. It's not meant to be a decision based on feelings or emotions. I love to see you here on Sunday. If you, I'm not asking you to do me a favor, but if you ever wanted to do me one, it makes me really happy to see your face in this building on Sunday. Like, I mean it. And I know work happens, and I know we've got responsibilities with, you know, maybe work or, or with family that are... I get that. I'm not saying there's never a reason. What I am saying is we shouldn't go looking for a reason. Well, I'm so tired. I worked so many hours this week. Yep. But don't let work... Be your master. Amen. Don't let the emotions that come from being tired. I'm not saying don't work. Hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. What I'm saying is you will, let me put it this way. I get we have reasons, but our emotions, our body says, oh, you're tired or you're busy or you're this or you're that. Let your spirit man be in control, not, not your emotions. Jesus went to the cross for you. It's really not much of him that require us to take a couple hours a week and dedicate to him. And am I saying this just to boost numbers? No. I love to see you. Like, this is why I do what I do, so I can see you, so I can preach to you, so I can love on you. But it's not about a number. It's not about a brand. It's not about building something. But what it is about is building your tenacity as a Christian. When Jesus went to the cross, Anna, the level he paid was not just for convenience. It wasn't just when you feel like it. 
Bible says, for God so loved you and I that he gave the most expensive and valuable thing he had for you and I. How dare we let an offense keep us from being committed to church, to our Bible, to our God? And I can say it because I've been there. I know it's hard to believe I'm not perfect. My wife thinks I am, but don't tell her I'm not. But I've not wanted to come to church because I didn't like everybody there before. Not this church. Let me clarify, not this one. (laughs) I've never once had a Sunday where I said, man, they're going to be there. I don't know if I'm going to go today. Never have I said that about this church. But before I was a pastor, there were times where someone really irritates me. Like, how dumb can you be and still breathe? Don't pretend you've never felt that way about somebody. Very dumb is the answer to that question. It's kind of a slap in the face to God, I would think, to the finished work of Jesus. If I'm not going to come to church because I'm tired or because I don't always like everything that someone says or does that goes there. I've offended Colton Brandy. They're leaving. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Don't let your life and your service to God be one that's hinged on your emotions. Make a practice of opening your mouth. We're going to talk about that next week. Opening your mouth and saying, if you've got to look right in the mirror and say it, say it. I have no right to be offended. You didn't ask that person to be your Lord and Savior. You asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. So let's not make our decision based on our emotions anymore, okay? We're building an army here. If a soldier in line's got another soldier in line that rubs him the wrong way, he just doesn't show up and give up on his military responsibilities because he's annoyed. A love for the cause forces him to set aside his emotions and his feelings and do what's necessary. Amen? Amen. And I am, I'm not a, I've never been in the military, so I'm not pretending that I know everything about it, but I, I do understand a few things. I got a couple more scriptures for you. Matthew 22, 37 says, can you handle more Bible today? He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You know what that means? Do you know what your, your soul is? Your mind, your will, and your emotions? He commanded us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all our mind, with all of our will, with all of our emotions. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Your feelings, your offenses, 
your tiredness, your decisions, your future, your business, your family, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. What does that mean? When I consecrate my desires to God, when I consult him and say, I'm not making one decision in any area of my life unless it's one that will help and further what you've asked me to do and be. He says, every path that's not straight for your future, he'll straighten it before you get there. So number one, to consecrate ourselves, we must dedicate our desires. Number two, love those who loathe you. Or love those who you loathe. Ouch. Ouch. It is very hard. Love those who loathe you. And love those who you loathe. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because we just talked about that for a moment. But it's important. When we consecrate, we don't just love those who are easy to love. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. That's hard because Jesus laid down his life for me. And when you run up against someone that you have to ask the question, how dumb can you be and still breathe? It's not easy to think, I'd lay my life down for them if it required it because that's the love of God. But that ought to be our goal. It's not easy for this preacher either. If you think it, I'm just like, oh, it's easy, no problem. It's not. Just as I loved you, you're to love one another. By this, all people, it says when you do this, or when you aim to do this, when you attempt and try to love the people who you feel don't deserve your love or your forgiveness, when you do this, not if you want to, by the way, when you do it, watch what he says. By doing that, that's how all people will know that you're my disciples. They will know by your love for one another. Your love does not signify or equal to agreement with one another. Your love for someone does not equate or equal to agreement with them. You don't have to agree with everyone to love them. But the one you disagree with the most... Would you say that you could honestly say you love them the way God loves you? It's not easy. Not easy. It helps get us there. It doesn't mean agreement with everything they do and say. It doesn't mean even less disagreement. It doesn't mean your love is also not a stamp of approval on their actions or their attitude. But it is a requirement from God that you love them. The Bible tells us we cannot say, God, I pursue you and I'm consecrated to you, but I don't love them because they annoy the crap out of me. I said crap in church twice. 
She's, I'm too big for her to spank me, Cookie. I'm okay. She can't catch me. I'm a fat preacher with short legs, but I can still run faster than my mom. Amen. Can I help you? <laughs> Carrie said, it's about time. You've done nothing for me in the last half hour. Waste of hot air. Please do something. <laughs> do you know what? Loving those you loathe. Do you know how to do it? It's asking God to show you how to see them the way he sees them. Because the thing that they did and continue to do to you to irritate you has nothing to do with how God sees them. He hung on a cross, Jesus did, and saw them in all their annoying ways, the same way he hung on a cross and saw you. So, that is the way we get there. It's not an overnight thing. It's not like, yep, done. And once you feel you've gotten there, it's not one and done. It's a continual, perpetual position of your heart. Can I say that a little louder? It's a continual perpetual position of your heart, not a one-time decision. Because they'll probably annoy you until Jesus comes. God knows they probably will. But, until he comes, he's looking at them and saying, in their faults and their shame and their hookups and hang-ups, they were still worth dying for. They're my child. I love them and I went to the cross for them, and I want them in heaven. If you can ask God for the people that are hard for you to love, to say, God, I don't understand them. They annoy the daylights out of me. They're super dumb. Whatever you want to say about them, you must say, God, in spite of all those things, in spite of all of those things, let me see them the way you see them. A sinner in need of a Savior. A broken heart in need of mending. Uh, a sinner who has fallen down, who needs help up, just like you and I do. It's not agreement with their actions. It's not approval of their attitude. It doesn't mean you, spend, you have to spend time with them. But it does mean that you ask God to let you see them the way he sees them until... It doesn't affect your consecration to him. You ought never to miss a time in church because you don't like someone. From the media room to the pulpit. They're not your savior. But they are your brother, your sister, that you don't have to agree with, but you do have to love. I got siblings that I, always, I don't always agree with. 
but I love them. I go to, I drive to Christmas dinner with people in another country, don't always agree with everyone, but I know what pleases my mom and dad, the father, my father, for me to show up and love them in spite of our differences. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm almost done. First John 4.20 says, If anyone says, I love God but hates his brother, he's a liar. Pretty cut and dried right there, isn't it? If anyone says, oh, I love God, and then on Tuesday, I hate him, he's so numb. She's got the biggest mouth in the county. You don't love God. Or worse... Now, I know you love God, but what this is saying is God, loving God, requires us. I'll put it this way. The Bible says blessing and cursing can't come from the same mouth. If you say, I love God with your mouth, you ought not to say, I hate my brother. For if he does not love his brother whom he has seen... He cannot love a God whom he's not yet seen. It's powerful scripture. I'm going to give you more Bible because, anyway. Glory. Romans 10, 12.10 says, Love one another with a brotherly affection. And outdo one another by showing honor. It's one thing to look across the room and, oh, man, they're, ugh. But then he says, you thought you were off there? Let me take it a step further. Outdo one another with showing honor to one another. Seems like a long stretch to get there, doesn't it? But uh, I'm telling you, we have to, doesn't say we have to be perfect. It says this has to be our aim and our pursuit. You all good? Matthew 5.44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I'd rather trip my enemies, to be honest. And then when they get up, hook their back foot in front of the front one again, let them fall one more time. But that's not Bible. That's my flesh. That's your flesh. Don't pretend like I'm the only one. Pray they choke on their breakfast. You prayed it. Don't pretend you haven't. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I can't believe he said that. <laughs> Stick around. I got much more you won't believe that I said. <clears throat> Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Why I said that was, it doesn't mean pray that they will choke on their breakfast. That's not what it means when he says pray for your enemies. I pray they slip on the ice today. No, it's not what he meant. Luke 6, 27 and 28 says, but I say to you who will hear. Anybody in here hearing today? Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. You mean there's another scripture that's going to put? Not, there is. Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. 
Doesn't mean you have to spend time with them. Doesn't mean you have to agree with them. Doesn't mean you have to participate with what they're doing or saying. But it does mean this. What does do good mean? Pray for them. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who persecute you. Stand with me if you would, Hannah, if you can come back. I'm all done. Consecrate, number one, we dedicate our desires. Number two, we love those who loathe us and who we loathe. And finally, we forgive those who have failed you. This consecration business is not for the weak of heart, I can tell you. But it's the first step. Because you can commit to church and offering and giving and... Carrie's mixing drinks in the second row. <laughs> we don't do that here, Carrie. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. It's all good fun. She's a good sport. If we can commit to all the things of church attendance and, and coming on midweek and, and giving in the offering and doing all the right things that everyone can see, but if our heart's not right, it's all in vain. actions are part of it, but he doesn't promote us and take us to that next level I told you is available because we do all the actions to check the box. Our heart has to match. And consecration means I'm not perfect, but I can look and see and talk to God and know that I may not fully have forgiven. I may not be all the way there yet, but I'm trying. I'm being intentional about getting my heart right. You see, this, the process of sanctification, when we give our heart to the Lord, is not overnight. It's a process that we must continually be in. You can't get your heart right and then never look at the inward part of your heart ever again in your walk with the Lord. Daily, we must look on, on the inside and say, am I truly consecrated, not just in action, but in how my heart is towards other people? sweeping in this room says be kind to one another 
tender-hearted, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you. God's doing a work in here this morning. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. deserve you didn't ask for nor did you deserve it the healing doesn't come through time contrary to folklore time does not heal all wounds Jesus heals all wounds forgiveness watch this Jesus is the one who takes the brokenhearted and mends it but it, he has to enter through a door called forgiveness imagine some of the things that you have bore in your lifetime or are bearing right now for pain. I'm not pretending to understand. Pain is relative to all of us. We all have our own version of it. But what I'm here to tell you is if you'll consecrate yourself to God and say, I'm going all in this year more than I've ever done before, I'm telling you, if you will do that, the presence of Almighty God become stronger than the hurt from your pain. What I'm saying is when you consecrate your heart and your desires and the way you think and the way you react and the way you free, when you say I'm doing what I need to do to consecrate my heart to you God and you do it it doesn't eliminate the situation that caused the pain. But it, God's presence overwhelms the thing that was overwhelming you. You understand? 
you can be this deep in pain and sorrow and questions and hurt and heartache but you say I'm giving my heart to you even the broken pieces even the things I don't understand and I didn't deserve I commit to not being casual but being consecrated in my walk with you, God. His presence begins to sweep in. And like a blanket, it will envelop the thing that used to envelop you. It will smother the pain and bring you peace where the pain was. The Bible promises a peace that passes all understanding. That's what it's talking about. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask two questions today. Number one, this is the most important thing we do. If you've never given your heart to the Lord before, what does that mean? If you've never come to a point where you said, I forgive I, I repent of my sins, God, and I receive your forgiveness. If you've never come to a point in your life where you said, I've been doing it my own way, I've been a good person. Well, I'm here to tell you a good person won't get you to heaven. The Bible says the only way to heaven is to confess your sins and invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. If that's you, and you've never made that commitment before, or maybe you made it a long time ago, but you've never really lived it out. You've walked away. Something's happened, a divorce, a, a financial ruin, a, a problem in your family, a broken heart. Something has pushed you away and you ran from God. You walked away from God. If that's you, first time, or you walked away and you need to come back and make it right with God. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to pray for you. I want you to slip your hand up right now. First time or a long time? I'm not going to prolong this. Say, I'm coming back to a heart that honors God fully today. I'm giving my life to Him. Here in person or online, if that's you, if you're online and you're making that decision to get right with God today, I want you to type in the comments, that's me, and we'll reach out to you. We'll send you a gift and we'll help disciple you. Is there anyone, last call, that you say, I need to get right with God before I leave this place today? I'm not sure that I'm ready. Is there anyone? Slip your hand up right now. No one's looking around, just me. Okay. You can look up. Here's the final thing I'm going to ask you today. As a sign of consecration to God. What does that mean? We talked about it. I hope you got it. I just spent an hour on it. I'm committed in setting myself apart unto God. It doesn't mean that Jessica tries to do what Anna does or, or Billy Bob tries to do. What jo it just means that it, you evaluate where you've been and you commit that I'm going to be more committed to God than I've been in the past. It's not comparison. 
It's self-evaluation and committing. I'm going to serve him more faithfully. I'm going to pursue him more than I have. I'm going to walk away from the things that aren't helping me, and I'm going to walk towards the things that are. I'm going to walk away from the people who aren't helping me and walk towards the people who are. final scripture I read to you is Mark eleven twenty five. 25. It says, whenever you stand, pray. Some of you have been praying for things for a long time and you can't get the answer. I'm going to give you one of the keys as to maybe why right here. Mark eleven twenty five. 25. Whenever you stand praying, first, forgive. For if you have anything against anyone, you are a faithful God. I thank you that you sent Jesus, knowing us in all of our faults and our worst moments, you still sent Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. In spite of everything we do wrong. God, I pray right now that as we raise our hands in commitment, in consecration, saying, God, I want to be everything you want me to be. I want to do only what you want me to do. I want to go only where you want me to go. I want to say only what you want me to say. As we lift our hands as a sign of consecration to you today in those things, God, see our hands. See our commitment, God. We are committing to you to diligently seek you this year like never before. But God, I thank you that when your word says when we commit to diligent seeking by the raising of our hands, you say that you commit to rewarding us for our diligent seeking. God, I pray that you would do just that as we commit to seek you with diligence, with our whole heart, to set ourselves apart unto you unto you that we may be found clean and pure that we may be found willing to be used for every good work you have for us god i pray that as we lift our hands as a sign we're all in no turning back no turning back no turning back i pray as we commit to that this year god that you would not only reward us 
but by your Holy Spirit, you would empower us to keep this commitment, God. You would give us a strength and a tenacity to not give up and quit, to not back up when the going gets tough, to not say, I give up when we have our back against the wall, but to stand and say, I've committed myself to God. I've made a commitment that I'll be more set apart and more dedicated and focused to do what he's asked me to do. And as we do that, God, I pray you would reward your people. I pray you would protect your people. I pray you would promote your people, God. And I pray that in that you would give them the desires of their heart. God, I pray that as individuals you will reward them. But finally, God, I pray that as a church, as a church, that you would reward this church for our diligent seeking, oh God. God, bring in people from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And use us as a tool to bring them, God, I pray. God, we commit to being more diligent with our resources, with our time, with our commitment. And God, we are asking you today let there not be an empty seat in this place by the end of this year. God, <laughs> may we be pushed to a new building even sooner than we dreamed. And God, I'm committing before this people today as a pastor. If you'll bring them, if you'll draw them, we will be faithful to disciple them. We will be faithful to love them where they're at. As a church family, we stand here with hands raised and say, God, here we are, send us. Here we are, God, send us us today. And God, I commit to you today, before this church, we commit together. God, we'll push to fill this building. We'll push to fill it three times on Sunday if we have to, until we get the, whatever it takes, God, we commit to whatever it takes to please you and fulfill your plan for the Down East region. I pray a prayer right now in the name of Jesus. Just like a man of God prayed when I got saved at 19 years old. The very people driving by this church today and every day this year, God, may you draw them by your Holy Spirit to this place, God. May people come on Sundays and Wednesdays and youth group on Fridays, God, into small groups that don't even know why or how they showed up, but by your spirit, let there be a pulling that they can't subside from, God. Let there be a pulling and a drawing, God, that they find themselves parking their car and they don't even know why, God, like I did at 19 years old. Let them walk through the door broken and scared and afraid, whatever it is, God, but let them leave whole, God. But I'm asking, by your spirit, let there be a conviction fall over this road as it passes that people looking for hope can identify this is where it can be found, God. Those who are looking for forgiveness and shame to be, shame to be lifted, let it be said that this can be the place where they feel they can find the forgiveness and the lifting of their head.
I prophesy in the name of Jesus over this church that there will be people in these seats by December that will say, I drove by and I don't know why, but I showed up. And we will hear those testimonies and remember this Sunday. we say that together as a church. Say it with me, church. Whatever it takes.
about me and my miracle. You missed everything I said this morning. identity come on you right now in Jesus mighty name Holy Spirit give her the strength to make decisions in both directions God that would only strengthen her faith that would only strengthen her consecration that would only punish the devil more for what he's done God I pray for her boys that guilt would lift that heartache would lift, that pain would supernaturally be lifted from every one of their hearts. We don't glorify what the enemy did, but we glorify what God is doing right now in Jesus' mighty name. Complete healing, complete healing, complete healing. Every one of them in Jesus' mighty name. prophesy in the name of Jesus, regardless of the past or the present, that if you'll consecrate yourself at a greater level, the Lord says, I desire for you to be a pillar, a pillar in your business for those girls, a pillar in the community that says, surely
accuser. Let them be silenced in Jesus' mighty name. And may peace be found in his presence in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's been a good day in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Give Jesus a hand. I love you and I love your heart for one another. Let's chase God with everything we have this year, whatever it takes. Amen. God bless you. Have the best Sunday afternoon you've ever had. Thank you for listening. If you want to connect with us, don't hesitate to visit us in person at our Down East location in Sullivan, Maine. You can also find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Have the best week you've ever had.